Hello, I'm Michael McMullen. This is the World Snooker Tour podcast. Welcome along once again. And my guest this week is Mark Joyce. Mark, thanks very much for coming in. No problem. You're from Walsall, which is in the West Midlands of England. A real traditional, strong snooker heartland. Yeah, um, the West Midlands, obviously, um, it's one of the one of the best sort of uh, amateur leagues in the uh, in the country. I think there's still six or seven divisions. I think um, so. Yeah, um, and obviously, probably not so much these days. But going back, probably twenty twenty five years ago, there was a lot of uh, a lot of pros on tour. So yeah, you're right in what you say. Now, when you came out on the tour market, it was two thousand and six, and it wasn't a great time to be starting, was it? Because there weren't many tournaments at that time. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think there were six or seven tournaments, probably three and a half million in the pot. And, uh, you know, it was really, uh, you had to sort of perform in the UK and the world to, you know, make or break your season, really. You mentioned there the three and a half million pounds prize money. The yeah. thing about it is most of that was going to the top players. So yeah, exactly. to get any of that share, you had to win a lot of matches. It was difficult just to get by. Yeah. And uh, like you say, it was it was a different system. Then obviously it was staggered, um, you know, sort of coming in at the bottom rung of the ladder. It was uh, you were playing sort of players in and around you, your ranking. Um, and, you know, sort of have to win four matches just to get to a venue. Um, and like you say, it was tough. It was all about the UK and the world, really. And you managed to stay on in those early years when the tournaments were quite sparse, and that was a good achievement in itself. Yeah, I think um, the first season on tour was it taught because obviously now you get a two-year card. I think back then there was it was just you sort of got hit the ground running. Um, I think the fact that we, the, the 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 qualifying system then was the old Pios uh, system, which was played at Pontins Prestatin as well, and. Um, as I said, when I got on the tour, you sort of mixing it with players in and around your ranking as well. And I think it's a little bit tough for the guys now because they're sort of getting on the tour and, you know, with the flat draws and stuff, you can, you know, you can run into top 16 players pretty much every tournament. Your results started to get a lot better, Mark, around 2010. Now, that, of course, was the time when the number of tournaments started to increase. Mm. We had all the PTCs. So was it the fact that you were playing so much more now that really improved your game? Yeah, I think so. I think I've always been a a player um, who plays better the more matches I play. Um, You know, I think think that applies to, to a lot of players, to be honest with you. Um, Stuart Bingham's probably another good example of that. He sort of, you know, he'll sort of play in anything, and uh, yeah, you just you get up in the morning, put your suit on, and think, oh, it's just another match. And uh, yeah, I think um, you sort of you, you, you practice form comes out more the, the more matches you play. You know, you you can put ten hours a day in, in the club or whatever, but there's no substitute for for uh, for, for, for match play. And it was in that first season that the number of tournaments increased greatly that you made a big leap forward at the UK Championship, yeah. getting to the quarterfinals. And this was at a time when it was still best of 17s all the way. And in yeah. fact, it was the last year of that format. So a real achievement to get that far. You played Mark Williams, got off to a bad start, but came mm. back and ran him very close. Yeah, I mean... Um it was a it was a it was a home tournament for me to be fair. I mean, it was the last year it was at Telford, uh, which was only sort of twenty minutes from from my house, um, and I actually won four qualifying matches just to get there. Um, I think I beat Steve Davis in the in the last qualifying round, and um, beat Ali Carter, and then Judd Trump before. Judd was like a household name. He was just about to explode, Yeah, so like 2011 was when he had his breakthrough. I think he won in China and got to the world final. That's right. Um, But uh, yeah, so and then obviously played Mark in the quarters and uh, had my highest Brad, the highest Brad at 1-4-3 in that match. uh, But yeah, I think Mark just sort of couldn't quite 
couldn't quite get in, my nose in front. He, he, he kind of just showed his experience towards the the end of the match. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic tournament, and you know, still one I think about now. It's one of seven ranking quarterfinals you've been in at this stage in your career. Right. In 2019, you did manage to win one of those. You beat Stuart Carrington to yeah. get through to yeah. the semi-finals in Riga. Then in the semi-final, you're in yeah. the decider against Kurt Mafflin, yeah. and you only go and make a century from your first chance. Great way to close it <clears> out <throat> to get to your first final. Yeah, I think um, my game was in pretty good shape around that sort of time. Uh, I'd played a, a prime in Vienna just before and uh, managed to win the tournament, and uh, I think I made something like 10 10 centuries in a maximum. Okay, it was only a pram, but I think that was a big confidence booster. And uh, I took it into the uh, into the first ranking event of, that, of the 2019 season, which, like you say, was Riga. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had a good run. Um, obviously lost to Jan Bingtow in the final. I think the first frame in that match was was key. Um, he he needed snookers, and I played a I played a bad shot, and that somehow managed to lose the frame. And I think that sort of set the tone for the game. I thought, I still think now if I'd have won that first frame, I'd have won the tournament. For both of you, you were trying to win your first yeah. ranking title. So was there a real sense of tension in the air because of that? Um, not re- yeah. Obviously, there's pressure there because it's a it's a final. But I just felt. I felt so confident with my game. I thought, you know, it's just another match. Um, and it, you haven't really got time to think about it because it was like a it's sort of a tournament where it's played over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, I literally beat Mafflin in the semis, went back, had a quick shower, bite to eat, and then you're straight back on in the final. So, you, you know, we didn't really have a lot of a time to think about it too much. You were right in there, 3-2 down, and then he yeah. pulled away to win 5-2. Relatively yeah. short match for a final, I guess. How did you feel coming away from there, Mark? Were you thinking that was one that got away, or was it more a case of thinking that was great to get that far for the first time? Yeah, I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think, um, obviously, you're happy that you've got to a final, um, but equally sort of disappointed as well. As I said, the first frame was, was, a, was a key sort of turning point in the game. I mentioned there that you've had that one win in a quarter final. A lot of the others, though, have just been agonising. You've been so close. You've mm. lost deciders mm. against Luca Brussel, Mitchell Mann, Ryan Day mm. in the UK, actually, when you almost got to the semis there. Is there one of those you look back mm. on in particular and think, I really should have got through that one? Um, yeah, all of them, <laughs> all of them really. <laughs> Particularly, the uh, I think the, the Luca game, uh, that was in the Tempodrome. Uh, I think I was 4-2 up. Um, and I had a massive chance to win 5-3 if I remember right and uh, threw it away to, it went four each and to be fair to Luca I think he had, a, he had a big break in the last so I didn't really get much of a chance in the decider uh, I think the, the the one that sort of really hurt was the Ryan Day game because obviously the UK BBC big massive tournament uh, our second biggest ranking event and um yeah, that was probably just a little bit of inexperience that cost me that match because Ryan struggled as well, um, and I, he was missing a few. And I should have really played a bit more aggressive. I was three two up. I, I got my nose in front, but I should have put me me foot on the pedal a little bit. And I, I turned down a few balls, which I should have gone for. And two or three shots later, you you've uh, you've sort of lost the safety battle and and. Um, yeah, and then in the decider at five each, I probably played uh, too aggressive when I probably should have defended a little bit more. But again, that's 
um, uh, sort of a learning curve. And uh, and it's all hindsight, isn't it, Mark? You can only do what you feel is right at the time. Absolutely, yeah. Live or die yeah, by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like you say, at the time you you go out there, you you play what you think is the right shot in front of you. But uh, when I watch the match back afterwards, I really should have been more aggressive. And I think, um, yeah, that that's something to learn from. Definitely. I was going to say it wasn't long after that you did manage to get further and get to that final in Latvia, which is about two and a half years ago now. Yeah. So how would you sum up the time since then, Mark? How do you feel it's gone? Um, I think it's been a, a bit of a frustrating time, not just for me, for all the players, to be honest. Um, obviously, with the, with the COVID and that, and uh, you know, we um, it was tough last year. Obviously, as players, we're very grateful to for Milton Keynes to allow us to you know uh, have the events behind closed doors and still earn a living out of the game. But there's nothing like sort of coming to these sort of events with the crowds back, um, and uh, yeah, it, like I say, it's been a, it's been a tough time. Um, but hopefully, I've had a bit of a rough start to this season, which is partly my own doing because I've made a few changes to my queue, um, which I think if we'd have had all the China tournaments and had a busy calendar. Uh, I wouldn't have had time to make those changes, um, but because it's been a bit of a slow start to the year, I think uh, I think it's given a lot of players time to um, to have a little tinker around and um, too much time to think. Too much it's time to think, thing, exactly, exactly. Mm. And uh, I've, I think I've played with like four different lengths of queue and three different weights. And why did you do that? Um, what made you think you needed to? Well, I watched my match back against Ronnie at the the World Championships, um, and I just. I played with like a six. I played with a sixty-one inch queue, and I just felt like and there was a lot of de- decelerations. Lot of, so, I've, and I think you watch like all the top players now, the the Higgins, you know, uh, the Kyrons, that they're so compact into the cue ball, um, and by that I mean they sort of get the bridge and closer into the white, um, and I think that's the way to go on these fast, skiddy um, match conditions that we're playing. Um, I've got quite a long action. So obviously the closer I can get into the cue ball, it sort of reduces my backswing. Um, so it was more sort of just trying to change my technique a little bit. Um, and as a result of doing that, I thought, oh, actually I could probably probably play with a, a slightly shorter cue. Because obviously when you get your bridge hand closer into the cue ball, your, your grip moves forward on the cue. So I've got more of a more of a, a, a overhang at the back. So I thought I'm going to have a little bit of length took off. But obviously when I needed to play the long stuff and power shots, I was still, I was struggling. So I've, I've, I've just been, t- I've just gone around the block to be honest. And I've ended up sort of pretty much back where I started. But in the in the meantime, it's cost me a, a few tournaments at the start of this season. I think a lot of players think like that, don't they? That they're just looking for that something that's going to yeah, click for them and make that change. Absolutely. But the problem is you can you can look for an extra 5-10% and it can backfire and it can cost you 20% or, or even more. Um, but you know, I'm happy with my cue now. And you've got to have that confidence in your cue, haven't you? Because if you have any doubts about the implement you're using, yeah. then that's really going to find its way into your game isn't oh, it oh massive massive there's a lot of the guys obviously all the guys on tour we can all pretty much do the same thing a lot of the games play between the ears and as you rightly say if you've got any doubts at all about your uh, your cue um, it's not going to end well you mentioned the match against Ronnie O'Sullivan there which we'll come to in a moment but first of all let's talk about the actual process of getting to the Crucible mm. do you know how many times you played in World Championship qualifying before you got there oh uh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm asking. Um, I would guess probably about, about 17, 18 times. Yeah, that's amazing. You're very close. It was 18. 18 yeah, times, yeah. yeah. So 
wonderful then to finally yeah. make it against yeah. another player actually who was also trying to get there for the first time he was trying to make history Igor Figueiredo he would have been the yes. first South American yeah. ever to play at the Crucible yeah. it's the only continent that hasn't had a representative there it was a close one um, yeah I mean I'm, obviously I won 10-7 uh, I think I played I was 9-4 up and I sort of played well to that point and I think it, as is the case when you uh, Eagles probably thought he's going to get beat so he's just freed up a little bit and all of a sudden he's thrown his arms at a few uh, the, obviously the pressure's on me that for the last frame's always the hardest one to win um, so all of a sudden it's 9-5 9-6 nine, nine, and, nine, and when it got to 9-7 you're thinking oh you know God can't lose this kind of all sorts of things are going through your head um, but luckily I just managed to uh, sort of crawl over the line in the end so what's that like, Mark, after so many years of mm. trying to get there and it's finally happened mm. and you know you're going to the Crucible? What's that feeling like? I think it was just pure relief, to be honest. Um, I think it was a massive monkey on my back. Um, I think a lot of players have said to me uh, or c- couldn't believe the fact that I'd not played there before. A lot of players have said I'm probably the best player Oh, definitely not yeah, to have played definitely. at the Crucible. Um, and that's not really a nice tag to have. Um, was it worrying you that you might end up having that tag even by the end of your career? Still being in that? Not position? really. I think I've I always got um, I've always had belief my game's strong enough to to, to get through the qualifying. Um, but yeah, it was more of a it's more of a psychological thing because as I say you've had that many sort of disappointments in that particular tournament over the years. Um, it's it's sort of a, a mental battle as well as a, obviously trying to beat your opponent on the table. So then the draw comes out. And you're up against the defending champion. Yeah. Now, we've all grown up with that tradition of the defending champion playing the first match mm. on the first day of the championship. Was it a case of you thinking, great, I'm going to get to experience that now? Or were mm. you thinking, couldn't I have had an easier draw than this? I guess it's probably it was probably the best draw and the worst draw at the same time. Um, obviously, you know, Ronnie's, in my eyes, probably the best player to ever pick up a cue and to play him at the Crucible that's something you know you'll always remember obviously as defending champion as well on the other side of the coin I think you know maybe another couple of days to let it sink in and just prepare obviously because the qualifiers don't finish till late Wednesday night you come back Thursday morning and then all of a sudden you, you've drawn Ronnie defending champion you're on Saturday first session so you haven't really got time to to let it sink in um, and I, yeah, there's a bit of a learning curve in there as well. I sort of you know, people want to talk to you, and you're trying to sort of logos out, and you know, it, um, yeah, it, like I say, if I qualify, hopefully at the end of this season again, then I'll um, I've got the experience to sort of deal with it a little bit better. You'd beaten him before in China in a best of nine a few mm. years before that, and you held on quite well. You were only one behind at four three. You won the first of the night to get back to six four, mm. but then. After that, yeah. he really took off, didn't he? Yeah, um, to be honest, the match was lost in the first session. Um, Ronnie, you know, obviously, I'm not going to be too hard on myself because um, yeah, I've got experience, obviously, playing at venues and in front of the TV cameras before. But, um, you know, I was a little bit like rabbit in the headlights the first mini session, the first four frames. And then I sort of settled into the game and I felt I played the better snooker after the interval, but I lost a big frame on the on the pink or the black to go four each and it went five three and that was a little bit of a turning point um but yeah i had i had a lot of chat you know i had a lot of chances in that first session and uh i missed the boat a little bit really and then like you say ronnie he, uh, once he got his nose in front of the night he's, he's finished off in style 
huge thing to finally tick that off mark and get to play at the Crucible. Mm. But I guess, in a sense, you probably want to get back there even more now because you've experienced it and want to have another <clears> taste of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it really is, you know, the home of snooker. Um, it's a fantastic arena to play in. And, uh, yeah, uh, obviously I'll be giving it my all to try and get back there. One big landmark you haven't managed to achieve yet is getting to play at the Masters. Yeah, You came really close early <laughs> in your career because there used to be a qualifying yeah. event for players outside the top 16, but only one player yeah. got through. And you managed to get to the final, but you mm. played Judd mm. and uh, mm. he uh, beat you in that one. So what are your memories of that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was around 2008, if I'm right. Yeah, it was 2008 to get into the 2009 yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the English Institute of Sport, and uh, I played some good snooker all week. I, um, I think I beat Matthew Stevens maybe in the semis. Um, yeah, and I just didn't didn't really turn up in the final, to be honest. Um, like you say, it was a big match. It was uh, it's sort of winner takes all event. So winning six matches and getting to the final, I think I was you know still down money wise after I paid all my expenses out but um yeah it was uh it was obviously a big disappointment at the time but um yeah it's it's one of them hopefully I can work my way up the rankings and get in there by right and that's the thing now with the structure some people complain about the prize money system but if you win a tournament you can make a big leap forward and put yourself in contention yeah I think especially especially at the minute because obviously with all the foreign tournaments that we've we've not been playing in the last couple of years I think the ranking list quite volatile uh, in the sense like you say if you win a tournament you can really rock it up the rankings Let's come, Mark, to the quickfire round. This is where I throw Ooh. a few topics at you and okay. you just say whatever comes into your head. Your favourite movie? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to be boring here, but I do like The Shawshank Redemption. Ah, great movie. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I'm totally with you on that one. The best you've ever played in a match? Oh, the one one match that uh, springs to mind was I, I, I played Dave Gilbert in the Temper Drama three, three or four years ago, uh, first game. And I think there was, I beat him 5-4 and I think there was like a 60 plus every frame. So that was a cracking match to be involved in. One match you'd like to have the chance to play over again? Um, I think the Ryan Day game in the quarters. I think that was a big opportunity missed. Your ideal day off? Oh, I think just a nice round of golf um, and a, a nice steak afterwards. You a good golfer? Um, average. I play off about 18. Yeah, you see, you know, Mark Williams said he was average and then went on to say his handicap was 8 or 9. 18, that is yeah, genuinely yeah. I can get it round, but, you know, that's about it. Yeah, well, that's pretty good anyway. And finally, players you would go on a night out with? Um, good friends with Corin Wilson. He mentioned you as well, actually. Did he? Um, yeah, we, um, we, we had... Obviously, we we had the same coach for a number of years in Barry Stark. Mm. Um, I've started working with someone else the last three years, um, but we we practice. He's probably my main practice partner. So um, yeah, I'd say Corin. And you can probably learn a lot from him. The success he's had the last few years. Yeah, um, yeah, he's done fantastic. Obviously, had a big breakthrough in Shanghai in 2015, and uh, he's not really looked back since. Um, yeah, it's very 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 good player. Not a pleasant subject, Mark, but let's deal with it quickly. You had a bit of a setback in your career a few years ago when you got attacked. Yeah. One night when you were out. So, what was the story there? Um, there was. It was just. Uh, it was. It was after the UK in Telford when I got to the quarters. Um, just sort of in a bar. Um, little bit of a dispute, and then um, next minute they sort of followed me out, and uh, and yeah, just sort of got attacked. Um, so how badly hurt were you? Um, 
I well, it was actually I slipped on the snow and I, I landed on my elbow. And um, oh, yeah, you're pointing yeah, out the yeah, scar. You've yeah, still got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so really I broke bad. my elbow, and it wasn't until a couple of months later, actually, that I'd realised I'd um, I'd got double vision. Um, so I was actually under a, a, an ophthalmologist at the um, at the local hospital. But luckily, he wanted to do surgery on me. But luckily, um, by practicing, it, it sort of um, corrected itself. Mm. Um, so I got quite lucky with that. And was it something that? Restricted you for some time after that? Did the injuries clear up quickly enough? Yeah, I think that was. It sort of happened around the Christmas time. I think it um, it was probably a good four or five months. Actually, when the, the, there was a tournament they called the Pink Ribbon. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Gloucester shirt. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the Gloucester Academy. And I actually won that in the June of 2011, six months later. Um, so it was probably, you know, I managed to play the last couple of tournaments in that season, but I just weren't competing. But, um, yeah, it was probably sort of the mate four or five months before I started to get back to something like. And that was a hard tournament to win, wasn't it? Very good field. Yeah, it was in the earlier days. Um, uh, I beat some good players. Um, I think um beat John Higgins in it, Maguire, um, Michael White, if I remember. I think, I think I beat Michael Alt in the final. From the 28th of February to the 6th of March, Snooker's top stars head to the ICC in Newport, to do battle at the Bet Victor Welsh Open. For a limited time only, tickets are available from just £10. Don't miss out. Book now. Head to wst.tv forward slash tickets. Where do you see yourself now, Mark, in terms of your career so far? Do you feel you've lived up to your ability or do you look back and think that you should have done more by now? Most yeah. players do, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think with the sort of the junior and amateur uh, career I had, obviously... Won the European under nineteens, mm. lost in the final the year later. English amateur champion, English Open champion. Um, so with the, with the sort of the, the junior amateur career, I probably you could argue I've probably underachieved, um, to be honest. But um, and why do you think that is? Do you feel you could have prepared better over the years, or has it just not happened for you? Um, I think if you look at my results, I've always been capable of beating anybody in the game, and I have. I've, I've beat pretty much all the top players. I think it's just I've just struggled with probably just consistency. Um, you but know. it's hard, isn't it? Because all these players are coming in with a lot of ability and potential, so it's not easy to get any results. Yeah, you know, um, you're right in what you're saying. The, especially nowadays, the strength in depth's um, probably the strongest it's ever been, and uh, literally every game is is a banana skin and um got to be absolutely on it to um to get a result but um yeah i feel like my game's in the best shape it's ever been in the last you know not counting the last few months cuz obviously like i said i've been making a f- trying to make a few changes with my queue but um the the last couple of years i think my game's in the best shape it's ever been in and uh you know if i keep doing the right things hopefully i'll get a get another run to uh, the the back end of a tournament and there's always room for improvement for any player, even the best in the world. So what do you think would be the one area you could most do with improvement? In? I think I need to just improve my, uh, my scoring. I think I've been on the tour a long time now. Safety-wise, I've played okay. Um, but I've, I've got to improve my scoring um, you know, to, to, to go any further. Would you describe yourself as a big practiser? Yeah, I've always been. Um, I've always been a hard practicer. Um, I do a lot of well. I try and get a good balance really um, between solo and, and and playing the other pros. Um, so, you mentioned Kyron there. What yeah. other pros would you practice with? Um, I play a lot with all the local lads. You know, Mitchell Mann, 
uh, play quite a bit. Um, Chris Wakelin, um, yeah, Dave Gilbert, he's Tamworth, he's not too far away. Um, so yeah, so I've probably got half a dozen main practice partners. Dave Gilbert seems to be the hardest working man in the game because so many players say that they, they practice with him from time to time. You do a bit of practice with Rianne Evans, I believe? Oh, Rianne as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, since she's got back on tour this year, mm. we've had a few games with each other. She's not she's not for too far away either. Mm. Um, Where do you feel her game is at? Rianne? Um, I think she's playing well. I think it's... Um, I think, you know, she probably needs to get out and play more games herself. I think, you know, when I've spoke to her, she's... She's kind. Of, I said, "Are you playing?" And you know, she's not really got out and played many, many other games. And I think that's probably one area for for her to improve. I think she maybe just needs to get in the car and do a little bit more travelling and get out of your comfort zone a little bit more. Hate to bring it up, Mark, but you are getting close to forty now, Thank but you. still plenty of time <laughs> in your career. That's a young man in snooker nowadays. So, what's the goal now? What's the big dream? Is it to become a consistently good player, mm. or do you dream of that one big moment with the big trophy? Yeah, um, I've. You know, you go into every tournament. Um, believing you can win it um, obviously it's just so tough there's so many good players it's not quite as easy as that um, but um, yeah I, I really do believe that um, I've got a big week in me I know what I can do on the practice table it's just a matter of going out into the match arena un, un, under the utmost of pressure and, and, and trying to produce what we do in practice that's every player's aim really you know if you can bring your practice form into the match arena you've got a great chance. You don't know how you're going to react until you're in that position, but if you find yourself in a big final mm. and you've got the opportunity there in front of you to win it, how do you think you will respond to that? Will you rise to it? You'd like to think so. Um, obviously, you know, I've been to a Riga final before, um, so I've got an experience in a ranking final, so I think that'll stand me in good stead. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I think a lot of the game, like I say, for me, it's sort of, Technical. If I'm, if I feel like I'm technically good, you can't divorce the two, the technique and the mental side. If you're technically bad, you're not going to feel confident over balls. If you, if you're technically good, that that gives you the the, the positive sort of outlook on the game. Um, a bit like Kyron, you know, Kyron's very mechanical, um, and yeah, he, he back himself with his technique to 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 put balls in pockets. Well, we look forward with interest, Mark, to seeing how it all goes for you from here. And thanks so much for joining us on the World Snooker Talk podcast. Thank you very much. Next week, we're in Newport for the Welsh Open. And it was 25 years ago that Mark King reached his first ranking final in that event. He'll be looking back with me on more than 30 years on the tour, the undoubted highlight of which came in 2016 when he won the Northern Ireland Open. My tip split, uh, put a new tip on that I'd had in my case, uh, and I played Wembo the second round and I played really well, the best I played for a while. So I had a lot of confidence as the sort of week went on, not really thinking anything of it because at the time, as obviously you see in the interview, I was potless. So every match it was like, oh, I've got another grand. And, mm. like, and when I got to the semis, I was ringing the missus saying, like, we're going to be all right. You know, I've got a few grand now, we can survive for a while. And it was like, like hallelujah sort of thing. And then when I made the final... It was like, yes, you know, I made the final, come on, get on the plane, you're all coming over. Um, and yeah, like just that day, just to, you know, to come back 5-1 down and to end up winning was, you know, just, yeah, an unbelievable achievement. And just to have my family there was just the absolute icing on the cake. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget to check out our bonus content, The 147 
rounding up the week's snooker news in 147 seconds out every Tuesday. Until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.